Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Colorful Plates podcast. Happy 4th of July. I hope you all have a safe and fun holiday. Today's Chef Feature podcast features Chef Adam Evans' full interview. Chef Adam and I chatted about what led him to enter the culinary world, his passion for seafood, how he thinks outside of the box, and what it's like being a new restaurant owner of Automatic Seafood and Oysters in Birmingham, Alabama. Let's take a listen. Adam, tell us a little bit about your journey and what led you to becoming a chef. I was interested in cooking at an early age, mostly because um, growing up with two brothers, my mom would make us um, either cook, clean up, or do another chore. And I always mm-hmm. thought the easiest and you know the most fun chore was the actual cooking of it. Um, so I remember from an early age, like raising my hand for that, and nobody wanted. My other brothers wanted to do it, so I was always like, "Yeah, I'll cook." I'm, I don't. I hated cleaning up. I still do. Um, I, I try to work neat now, but you know, I didn't like <laughs> the cleanup part, and so yeah. um, I was more focused on the what, what what are we making. So, and that I think that kind of stems from I was interested in that because my grandfather had a you know organic garden before that sort of stuff was cool, and I was I would you know get to spend a lot of time with him in the garden and. You know, just trying to figure out what happens to this vegetable after we grow it. You know, that right. was that was something that that was um, on my mind when I was really young. That must have been really fun growing up doing that with him. How did you go? I know you mentioned you got your degree in psychology from Auburn. How did you go from psychology to culinary? <laughs> it came a time when I, yeah, it was time to graduate, and I could either go to uh, more schooling or I had the previous two summers I had I had gone off to cook and I went down to the um between my junior and senior year I went down to uh Fairhope Alabama and cooked at this uh, resort called the Grand Hotel. I, I knew the chef and so he kind of took me um took me down there for the summer and and really kind of showed me everything showed me how to hold a knife and how to sharpen it and kind of just starting from scratch uh, you know I know nothing and sort of gave me the right books and read this and do this. And so I, I just kind of dove into it. And it's honestly all that I thought about my senior year is cooking. <laughs> so I figured, um, you know, it came time to graduate and apply for grad school. And I I declined all of that to, to move <laughs> back down there and uh, continue working for him with the plan of going. He would place me and try to place help place me in a uh, kitchen in New Orleans so that's what happened so I know you just opened your first restaurant automatic seafood and oysters in Birmingham I've heard nothing but good things about it um, I still have family back in Birmingham so they've really heard the buzz around town um, so oh, what cool. sparked your what sparked your passion for seafood was it being down in New Orleans and kind of that Creole Cajun um, type cooking? Well, I think from from an early age, uh, we would spend some time at the in the Gulf um, of Mexico, mostly Orange Beach and Gulf Shores, and occasionally uh, Destin. But being mm. in the Gulf Coast I, and growing up, I never liked seafood, and really? I would go down there, and it was all fried and um, mm-hmm. you know shrimp baskets, and I would eat fried <laughs> shrimp. But I, I never liked the cocktail sauce. I'd, I'd remember eating oysters with my dad at an early age and getting really sick uh, from eating the oysters. So <laughs> I just thought, you know, this seafood doesn't agree with me. I don't, 
you know, I didn't really care for it. And so it was never on my radar and just didn't like it. And so, um, turns out I was allergic to horseradish and it wasn't the oysters. And I just liked, <laughs> um, maybe like nicer seafood than, um, than just <laughs> fried seafood all the time. Um, oh, yeah. of course everybody likes fried food and fried shrimp and things like that. I love now. Um, but growing up, I didn't, I didn't really care for seafood. And so it wasn't, you know, I definitely got to work with seafood in New Orleans, but I think where I really started to love seafood is when I was in New York at craft restaurant and we would get in, we, you know, we would have 10 different fish on the menu and all this beautiful seafood. And it was coming in uh, from the best purveyors in New York city. And we had access to this completely different thing that I've ever seen. And, you know, kind of once you taste that and taste how clean and beautiful it is and fresh, it's, um, for me, that was, that really opened my eyes to seafood and I fell in love with it. The great thing about the seafood concept is that we can do a lot of things gluten-free and even, um, things that are breaded and fried, we can do gluten-free. So, you know, just trying to clean it up and give the, mm -hmm. the seafood, um, you know, maybe more of a, a clean flavor rather than, you know, the, cor the heavy cornmeal, <laughs> the heavy breading and things like that. I think that sort of masks the flavor of it. Um, we're trying to let it shine because we're spending so much time sourcing the product and getting nice stuff in. And the Gulf right. has beautiful stuff to offer. So it's, it's been fairly easy to get, um, to get great quality seafood down here. It's exciting. Oh, yeah. That is exciting. You know, I really, I really love Gulf seafood and, um, oh yeah, definitely about fried food. I mean, it's good sometimes, but I definitely am like you. I prefer like the clean, you know, a nice grilled fish or like a marinated crab claws, like you're saying, or like that kind of just like highlights the, the fresh flavor of it. So I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and speaking of your restaurant, um, I know the Birmingham food scenes exploded over the past few years and, how do you set yourself apart from these other local restaurants? Do you do that through menu planning, just your brand, or tell me more about that? Well, I think, um, you know, we're just happy to be a part of it. And that that was um, sort of the driving force of my wife and I moving to Birmingham to start this, mm -hmm. um, is that the, the restaurant scene, you know, come, we were coming from Atlanta and kind of saw the the food scene i was there and witnessed it kind of grow and explode and um all these restaurants open in atlanta and for me it became kind of too saturated to consider opening there and i've always my wife and i have separately had um the goal of kind of kind of coming back home we're both from alabama coming back mm -hmm. home and doing um you know we've both been on this journey where we're learning and studying and training and working in different restaurants and in all these different states and just sort of bring something back to the to the home state because that's where I want to that's where I've always wanted to be in the end anyway so I couldn't imagine opening my business elsewhere and you know my wife and I coming together and and it's kind of a no-brainer for us so we moved back and it turns out that the food scene here is amazing and it's mm -hmm. growing now and has been growing. So we're just happy to be a part of it. Um, as far as separating ourselves from the rest of the food scene, we're, you know, I, I think we just want to be a part of it and, and, and grow with it. Uh, that's exciting in itself. Yeah, I hear that. I like that you and your wife are really a team and that 
your wife, she kind of developed the the website and the branding, right? And you're kind of the culinary part of that mind. She's doing a little bit of everything. She has never worked in the restaurants. And now since, uh, you know, since April 1st, when we opened, she's kind of been, she's been here every day um, with me right alongside. And um, her skill set goes way beyond what mine is. And uh, she's sort of a natural um, out on the uh, the floor, but it's really very easy. We're taking care of people that we really care about uh, the space. And first of all, she designed the restaurant. So that's what she does. She's an interior mm. designer. And so she designed the whole restaurant and it makes, you know, she made it make sense for the kind of food because she understands what I like to cook and the vibe and all the things that go along with the atmosphere. Um, so she has well before April 1st, uh, planned and figured out every square inch of this, uh, restaurant we now have open and has done an incredible job designing it. And, and now it, she, um, she's a part of the everyday service and, um, there for the guests and a natural at it. So she, she takes care of things like that and I take care of the food. So, <laughs> I love it. Pretty nice. <laughs> that works out well. <laughs> And it works out really well. Awesome. So what advice would you give to other chefs thinking about opening their own place? Are there any challenges you guys have faced? I know that you just opened in April. Opening the restaurant is, it's really, it's really rewarding. And I think that, if, you know, advice for people that are going to do it. I think, I think if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And if you're, if you kind of doubt <laughs> it and aren't sure, then you definitely shouldn't do it. Um, for me, it was um, it was something that I always knew would have to happen one way or another, successful or not. I had to try it and I had to do it. So um, nice. there are there are lots of problems, there are lots of issues, lots of things to work through, and it's you know it's a hard business, and that's the nature of the business. So um, if, if you're ready to work and you're ready to do it, I think um, you know having Having the right team and the right people and obviously being uh, funded the correct way is a, is a first step and, and having a good plan going into it of what, you know, a clear concept. This is what I'm doing. Um, this is what I'm going to focus on. And, you know, so for me, it's pretty easy. We're really close to the Gulf. I love seafood. I want to highlight the seafood that's coming out of the Gulf and also want to, mm -hmm. I want to push, um, the fishermen and, um, you know, people that are selling seafood to get produced variety. You know, it's not the Gulf has more to offer than grouper and snapper. And that's what it, right. where I see everywhere. And the prices are so high. And so that's passed on to the guests and the guests think that seafood is just so expensive. And so I think it has a bit of a negative connotation. And so, you know, the concept is to highlight the seafood, uh, provide variety and, um, try to just do something new and fresh with seafood in general. I like it. I love the concept that you're speaking of kind of making it more accessible to people. Cause I know I agree with what you're saying. Like seafood sometimes just seems so expensive and just not even out of touch. You know, some, you go to a fancy restaurant and you're like, Oh, I'm just going to get the burger. It's the cheapest thing. <laughs> you know? Right. And so that would happen a lot, it, you know, first of all, if I had a burger on the menu, which I plan to at some point uh, put a burger on the menu. <laughs> but, you know, if 
I, I think if you're looking at down at the menu prices and I look at menu prices and that it's definitely, it definitely um, sways my opinion on what I'm going to order when I, you know, go to a restaurant or go out somewhere, you know, everybody looks at prices and that's the only fair right. thing. So um, at the end of the day, if, if I can provide value, which uh, could mean a, a portion that people feel like, Oh, I, I feel like that's fair. What I paid for that. It was delicious. Mm -hmm. It filled me up, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, for instance, this morning, um, I got some, some Amberjack from a uh, from a local purveyor and nice. these are, be these are beautiful fish that are very underutilized and they come in right. and they come to me whole, whole, they are amazing fish. I wish I could show you a picture of these fish I got in this morning, but I love you know, these beautiful. <laughs> yeah, they're small. They're small. I like the smaller ones um, this time of year. And um, it's just a really beautiful, meaty fish that I don't see on a lot of menus, but we put it on the mm -hmm. menu and uh, put something delicious with it. And people buy it and, and I'm able to pass along. You know, it's it's a $25 entree and it's not a $35 entree. You know, if it were... Um, I did get in snowy grouper um, over this past weekend, and it's a beautiful fish. I love I love the snowy grouper. Um, I try not to get a lot of snapper and grouper on the menu, uh, but mm -hmm. I did get snowy grouper. But when I cost it out, my cost, uh, my menu cost needs to be, uh, I think it was $33 or $34. So, you know, I don't want to always pass, just get in what I can, what everybody sells and, uh make people pay the money for it because I think that I, my job is to be a little more resourceful and it, my, a big part of my job is sourcing the seafood and finding, all right, what's, what's next? Where is it? Where are the good fish that have great value? Where are they coming from and how do I get them and how do I put them on the menu and, and how do people receive them? And that's kind of, for me, I love that part of the job. Right. Yeah. It's, and you know, you said you're, you're a part of, the Birmingham food scene, you're not trying to set yourself apart. But I think just hearing that, that you're focused on variety and always having something fun and interesting. And I think that is a great way to set yourself apart as you just offer really neat things to your guests. So I think that's really awesome. I distinctly remember being a kid and never really knowing if I liked grilled fish and I tried grilled amberjack and that was like the only thing I got for years anytime <laughs> we went to the beach was amberjack so as soon as you said that i just like thought back to my my childhood it's a very uh, sustainable fish i think um it's first of all it's a it my the, the cost for me is really low on a fish like that but i believe when you get it in whole and you have the right supplier um mm -hmm. you can really make a nice product out of it I and mean, it's a beautiful fish it's very similar to like a, a west coast hamachi or yellowtail uh which mm -hmm. would you know, when you get, when you get them small, it's, um, they're, it's a real treat and they're, they're expensive and you see them in a lot of sushi restaurants. So, um, there's a reason for that. And I think Amberjack are, are delicious. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, I like finding the, how do I get this and where do I get it and finding these connections. And that's, it's a fun part of my job. One of my favorite parts. Right. So making those connections and sourcing, your seafood, how do you source your produce and do you have any challenges 
doing that or do you do mainly local or you use bigger distributors? Tell me, walk me through um, how you get your fruits and vegetables for your restaurant. Luckily for me, that's been a very easy part um, of the restaurant and sourcing because there are, there are so many great farmers in Alabama and, you know, being in New York and New Orleans and Atlanta and going to all those farmers markets, fre- frequenting those farmers markets. Um, I've got to say that, you know, outside of Union Square Market, this is one of the best markets I've ever seen. You know, there's markets in Santa Monica and San Francisco that are amazing. Uh, and I've been to those, but the produce that is, um, grown here is phenomenal and it's been, been very easy. I, I probably work with seven or eight different farmers. Um, uh, literally outside of the, um, I say celery and onion, but also order celery and onion from these farmers because they have, they have that, which is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. but out, outside of kind of the bulk commodity thing that, uh, you need, such as, you know, large carrots to make stocks and things like that. Um, you know, there's no farmers that are producing a russet style potato that I can use for a French fry. So I have to source that elsewhere, but you know, I, I'm pretty close to um, using probably 90% farm vegetables and they're all grown locally. And it's, it, that part is amazing because they, they're able to provide quantity and not just, um, you know, a quality ingredient. And here's five pounds until next week, uh, which I would see a lot in the Atlanta market because it's yeah. there's so many restaurants and so many, so much competition to buy this, uh, all these farm, farm vegetables and produce. Um, but, uh, you know, peaches, we've, we've had peaches for three weeks and they're, they're incredible the first, the first week. So, uh, blackberries, we've gotten just talking about some of the fruits. They're starting to come into the blueberries and cantaloupe melons mm. and, um, sweet corn, okra, all types of different whole beans, wax beans, shell peas, and then tomatoes. My God, all the tomatoes. It's- <laughs> There's hundreds of pounds of tomatoes, (laughs) hundreds of pounds of tomatoes, all different kinds too. And they're growing beautiful varieties. And it's very, um, very reminiscent of the Union Square market in New York City. Honestly, it's a great thing. Yeah. Are you, are you referring to Pepper Place Market in Birmingham? I am. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I love that market. That is a, that is definitely a quality stop. How do you work? fruits and veggies into your menu with seafood like what is your favorite way to to kind of meld those two worlds together well it's super it's really easy um when you get such quality stuff um so i mean for instance there was a a farmer here um who has all these different varieties of tomatoes heirloom tomatoes but he also has tomatillas and he's growing these beautiful Mm small tomatillas and so you know i order 10, 10 pounds of them from him the first week and we get them in and, and they sit there for a day and then you know all of a sudden we need to change a fish set so um we make uh, we make a, a salsa salsa verde out of it and so then it becomes okay this redfish grills really nicely so we're going to take the wild redfish and we're going to grill it half of the way and then we're going to slather it in this salsa verde and put it in the, the wood, uh, wood oven and cook it the rest of the way. So, 
know, now we have um, salsa verde goes really well with corn, obviously. So now we have um, we make a little corn puree from the fresh corn that that guy's bringing us. Uh, it's a little recipe that with that you just juice the corn and you strain it and you cook it over a double boiler and it thickens up naturally because of the starch. And so, you know, mm-hmm. it's literally like corn and salt and that's the two ingredients and that's on the bottom of the plate. And now this grilled redfish with the salsa verde goes on top and we shave some corn and add some little cherry tomatoes and fresh tomatillas, just raw uh, marinated right on top. And that's the dish. And so it's, very easy when you have all this nice stuff to work with to just create um, a dish and it's all you know it's all flavors I think that are that are familiar to people maybe and not something crazy they're just um, right well, at least I focus on the technique and try to teach that it doesn't have to be this crazy thing with all of this different stuff in it it's just the, the more the more complicated the harder to execute dishes are the ones that have the fewer ingredients. And I think that's, um, I try to think about that whenever um, I'm creating a menu item that just like, what's the minimum amount of things we can put on this dish to make it delicious. And I think that's uh, sometimes it's a little, I think it's a little harder to show restraint than it is to just kind of put everything on one dish. That makes sense. Yeah, let the ingredients shine. It makes me think of less is more, you know, and, you know, just letting produce be produce and seafood be seafood and bringing out the best sides of both. And that corn that you're talking about, that sounds really good. Um, Is it kind of like cream corn you're you're thinking of? That's what makes me think of. Yeah, so the the recipe is from, I learned it at Kraft in New York, where I think it's in Tom Kalikia's cookbook. The craft of cooking. I'm not. I'm not nice. exactly sure, but it, it's just <laughs> a. He he calls it a creamless cream corn, and when you make the puree and then you fold other corn into it and cook it and you know gently cook the corn in its own you know corn milk that's been thickened, then it's um it does. There's zero cream in it, but it's um it is cream corn. It, it, it does have all the flavors of cream corn, so it's a really cool way to, um, you know, take dairy out of corn and, and let it be what it wants to be anyway. It's a far cry from my grandmother's cream corn with a lot of bacon grease and probably cream <laughs> in it and, and bake yeah. for a couple hours, so, which bacon is delicious. Bacon grease, so. butter, cream, oh, cheese, <laughs> all the good things. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love it, but trying to make it a little cleaner, especially with the seafood. I try to, I try to clean up, um, things. And also that's a kind of a, like I mentioned, it's a, it's something familiar to people, I believe, the flavor of that. So it's not yeah anything too crazy, but it's just kind of a, a different way to put it together. Yeah. I think for me, the most appealing thing when I go to a restaurant is maybe seeing something familiar and then seeing it done and maybe tweaked in a little bit of a different way. And then it comes Mm -hmm. out and my expectations are just like, Oh, that tastes so similar to this, but it looks really different. And it's, I don't know. I'm just, I'm fascinated by what you guys do behind the scenes. So yeah, no, you're exactly right. I think that's very true. And that's, it's something that when, um, I think when that happens, it's, um, it's, we try to make that happen to where it, it is familiar and it's not too crazy and, uh, it reminds someone of something, but it's not quite the same. 
you can just show the versatility of food because there's so much you can do with it. Just like we were talking about fried seafood versus not and, you know, loaded cream corn versus simplified. And <laughs> it's just such a range of things. It's kind of crazy. We could probably talk about that for a while. Um, that's a whole nother last... podcast. Yeah, that's a whole nother <laughs> podcast. That's right. Like different applications of corn. <laughs> Episode one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess my last question for you, Adam, is I know you said you get a lot of fresh produce, you get all this fresh fish and all of these wonderful, beautiful ingredients. Um, How do you stay inspired and motivate yourself and your staff to just keep going and keep pushing day to day? People always have inspired me. And whether it's people I'm working with or someone, something that I'm reading and learning from another chef, um, but, you know, with these open with openings and being in the kitchen so long and having a a complete new staff and you know kind of day one that's inspiring in itself because now I'm exposed to all these new people and things and there's there's always something I don't care what experience if they've had coming to me then you know there's something I can learn from them and I think um, Mm -hmm. you know I try to set up the culture in the kitchen to where it's very so it's it's good to talk about food. It's our job to talk about food. We should be talking about food. You know, it's always fun to, to change the subject and talk about something else. But, you know, that's kind of the main focus. That's what we're all here doing. And, uh, you know, I, I encourage them to talk about food and we all learn something. And that's kind of where it's where it's. um what we're doing here and it's fun because there's so many people that care and and I would say that there's lots of different things that inspire me and I would say the people the cooks that are here with me now they're super inspiring because they come in and work hard every day and they want to learn and they want to do new things and they want to make the make other things better and um you know just they want to is they're getting quality reps and it's amazing to see and and to see them get better and see me get better uh you know i'm always trying to get better at whatever it is we're doing and that kind of culture they they're kind of taking it and running with it so uh, that's that's what's inspiring to me um it's also just everything you know there's it's mostly the people i think that inspire me and the um fish when they come in they're to get the quality product that's inspiring and there's so many things to be inspired about and it's mostly the people and and the fish growing up in the suburbs of birmingham and visiting the gulf of mexico i was surrounded by great food i mean southern cuisine is delicious and southern seafood is no exception i enjoyed hearing how chef adam highlights gulf seafood choices that aren't always the most common catch I have heard wonderful things from my folks back home about automatic seafood and oysters, and I look forward to stopping by the next time I'm in town. Hopefully I get to say hello to Chef Adam while I'm there, too. We here at Colorful Plates wish Chef Adam all the success with his newest venture. Thank you, Chef Adam, for taking the time to speak with us, and thank you all for listening. Be sure to tune in Monday to hear the latest market reports and what's going on with avocados and melons. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, and as always, stay fresh.